It's good to see everyone here tonight. I have just been really, really happy and pleased that so many have been interested in the Bible studies, and we trust that you're you're uh, benefiting from them. And uh, <clears throat> we had a prayer request tonight uh, for Brother David James. He desired to be here, and he he got sick, and I don't know exactly the exact uh, details of it, but he's going to try to stream tonight. And uh, there was a request for prayer. So before we get into the word tonight, and uh, maybe we can stand to our feet and offer prayer for Brother David James. Has anyone else got something on their heart that they need from the Lord? Maybe just lift your hand and ra- you know, just bring it before God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gathering. And Lord, we gather because we love you and all that you are and what this word means to us. And it's a pleasure, dear God, to just to search the scriptures and begin to dig and to see yourself in every scripture and every line. It thrills our hearts because it's another vindication of you. And in many infallible proofs, you've proved yourself. And this is just one of them. And so we come, Lord, to acquaint ourselves with the scriptures, to eat the word of God, to feed upon the word of God and the promises. And we ask, Lord, that you would just strengthen us, that you would cause it to grow within us and unite us with it, Lord. And we pray for Brother David James. You know his heart that he wanted to be here. He travels far to be here. His heart is here. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will go to him wherever he is and take what's wrong and make it right. We pray for every hand that was lifted, dear God, that you would move upon every request. My hand's up too. Bless our hearts in your presence tonight, Lord. Bless this Bible study. And Lord, enlighten our eyes and Lord, let us see things that we have not seen before that your word might become flesh in us. We love you and thank you and we ask these blessings now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Do you love the Lord? Let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. And uh, I want to speak our third part tonight on the supreme authority of the scriptures, part 3. And tonight, we'll probably, I have a, a lot of things to expound on. We do have several scriptures, but I do have a lot to expound on too. And I would say that in our study, as we uh, left off last week on searching the scriptures, that we search the scriptures and we find Christ. And one of the reasons that I covered that is because from here on out, everything, every Bible study will be a search of the scriptures. And what we're doing is we're searching the scriptures and seeing whether these things be so. And you'll find that we can keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. Uh, So last week, we're we're building this foundation on the Word because the Word is our foundation. In witnessing, in what we live for and what we stand for, it is the foundation where our faith lays. And so I, I want to really lay it in. I want to take my time. I don't want to move fast. And I would say that tonight is probably one of the most important of, of our studies on the supreme authority of the Scriptures. We may keep going, but as of right now, this is, I'm seeing us maybe end up here. But tonight will be the most important concerning the Word, and you'll see why. So let's go to Second Peter chapter 1, and we'll read verse 19 through 21. And it says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light 
that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. May God bless the reading of His Word. You can have your seats tonight. He said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. And he said, you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in the darkness. And these prophecies that he's speaking of, of the Old Testament, is like a light that is shining in darkness, like a lamp or a torch, where you're walking in a dark path and it enlightens your path. And he's saying these prophecies shed light before us until the day star rise in our hearts. And uh, I want to take our thought beginning here that the Word of God is the lamp unto our path. And if you will, let's, let's look at a few scriptures that vindicate that. In Psalms chapter 119, Psalms 119, and I want to deal a little bit tonight with the, the Word is light. And uh, we'll read 119.105, Brother David. I saw Brother Jeremiah walk in. Is he, is he in here? There he is. I have Brother Jeremiah read for us verse 105. And you can uh, read in that mic, please. That'll help us with the recording. Psalms 119.105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. Would you mind reading? Proverbs 6, verse For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Wonderful. If you'll just pass that over, and I want to read Psalms 43, verse 3. Psalms 40, and this one is, is wonderful. This is, uh, you know how those sisters make those word walls? This would be a beautiful one to put up as a word, word wall up on the wall there. Psalms 43, verse 3. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Amen. (laughs) See where the light is leading? Into the presence of Almighty God. But, you know, many times when you're witnessing or talking to people, people have their Bibles and they'll say, you know, I walk in the light. I'm walking with the scriptures. And and, uh, that's wonderful. We must learn the Word, and the Word is the lamp unto our path. That is true. It's a common expression that we are walking in the light when we're walking by the truth of God's Word. But it is not entirely true. It is a partial truth. It's not entirely true. It's not the whole truth. Because the Bible speaks of what true light is. And I want to cover that tonight, and I think it's enlightening Let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. If you'll go ahead and pass that mic on over. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. 
And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Amen. Now, I want you to be very spiritual and listen to this very closely. The word is not light. The written word is not light. The vindicated word is the light. So when God said, let there be light, that was the word. And there was light. (laughs) And so light is the vindication of the word. Do you see that? So light is not the word, let there be light. Light is the vindication of the word. (laughs) Amen. And your prophet taught this. Our prophet taught this. God said, let there be light. And there was light. He said, see, he said, light comes by the spoken word of God. Light is the vindication of the subject that was spoke. When light flies, it shows. God said, let there be light. There was no light. And then there was light and that was light. That's the proof. Light is the vindication of the spoken word. Amen. So you're not walking in the light until you're walking into the revealed word of the hour, the vindicated word of the hour. Then you're walking in light. Amen. Now watch this. Peter said this. We have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day star shine arise in your hearts, knowing first that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation... God is his own interpreter. So when God said, let there be light, that was the word. No one has a right to interpret that. And when there was light, that light was the interpretation of the word. Amen. You understand? And so Brother Branham said, and there's so much light for every age. There's so much word lauded for every age. All right? And now watch. Brother Branham said this in Shalom. And this is amazing. He said, let there be light. And when the word of God was manifested, that was light. God first spoke it. And when it came into existence, it was light. It's the only way that it can be done. When the word is vindicated, God's written word vindicated shows the light. Its portion is lit to each age. He said, we found that in the church ages. So the word is light when it is vindicated. God said, let there be light. There was light. When he promised a Messiah and the Messiah come, that was the light of the hour. Now let's do that. Let's examine the first coming of the Lord. In the, in the first coming of the Lord, they had churches, they had synagogues, they had priests, they had the word in their own language, they knew the law, they lived the law. I mean, God's law was to the Jewish people. They had religion, they had all of those things. But they were in absolute darkness. They had the Bible. They studied the Bible. They revered the Bible. They revered the God of the Bible. But they were in absolute total darkness. So the written word was not the light. Now notice this. The written Bible, even though we have prophets and scrolls and transcripts and accurate genealogies and histories... They're groping now. When Jesus arrives, let's look at it. Isaiah 9, verse 2. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. 
Where's that microphone at? Could you just pass it on over? The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of the death, of death upon them hath the light shined. Amen. Isaiah is prophesying almost 800 years before Christ come. He's prophesying of the condition when Jesus would arise. Now watch this, uh, Lauren. Read Matthew 4, 14 through 16. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region in shadow of death, light is sprung up. Amen. Now, this is when Jesus fulfilled the scripture. So in Isaiah, you could have read that. But that was not light. That was the spoken prophecy. But when the prophecy took on flesh, then that became light. They that sat in great darkness, speaking of Jesus' time, and they had synagogues and they had, they had priests and they had all kinds of things, but they're in total darkness. But when the light came, which was Jesus manifested, then they saw great light. Amen. So the Bible is not light. The vindication of the Bible is light when God interprets his own word by bringing it to pass. Now remember when Jesus told them, he said, you teachers are blind leaders of the blind. They were walking in absolute darkness. Now watch this, John chapter one, verse four. If you can, yeah, please. John chapter one, verse four, right there. You can, that'll work. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay, and uh, verse 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. (laughs) Amen. Bibles, synagogues, teachers, total darkness. Now watch this, John chapter 9, verse 5. And uh, you want to just pass it on over there? Five and six. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay out of the spittle. And uh, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Amen. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John chapter 12, verse 46. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Okay, so the only way to walk in the light was to receive Christ when he was manifested. That was the only way. Now, now there was a prophecy in Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight and prepare ye the way of the Lord. That was not light. But when he comes stomping out of the wilderness, screaming, repent or perish, prepare the way of the Lord, then that became the light to walk in for that hour. 
And the scripture, when it's fulfilled, becomes the light. Now watch this in Luke chapter 7, verse 27. And I'd like to read 27 through 30. Luke chapter 7, verse 27. This is Jesus speaking. This is he of whom is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is none, not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Before you go any further, Jesus is saying, this is him. This is what Isaiah was speaking of. He's confirming this is the one. Go ahead. And all the people that heard him and all the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God among themselves, being not baptized of him. They stayed in darkness. Yeah. They rejected the light and stayed in darkness, claiming to be followers of the light. <laughs> Amen. Next scripture. Remember, they, even, they would claim, Abraham is our father. And John the Baptist said, the axe is laid to the root of the tree, you bunch of snakes. And he said, they were fleeing, they were running. He was exposing them for what they were. Now watch this. John was the light of the hour. When that scripture was fulfilled and he began to prepare the way, this become the light. And to receive it, they justified themselves before God. To reject it, they stayed in utter darkness. Now watch. Watch what takes place as this light is moving. John chapter 5 verse 33 You sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. At, read down through 35. But I received not testimony from man, but these things I say, that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. All right, all right. So, so is John is the light before Jesus is. John is the light introducing the greater light. Okay, so he's preparing the way. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. This is the spoken word for the hour. And when he said, he must increase and I must decrease, then John, when he prepared the way, his light went out. And now the great light shined. Amen. Now watch this, because in Acts 19, Paul passes by the upper coast of Ephesus and said, "Unto what were you baptized? They said, unto John's. He said, oh, he said, you know, that was good for the day. He said, but now we got a greater light. And they had to move on with that light. Amen. (laughs) See how the light's moving? Now watch this. We don't want to live in a day gone by. And so then Paul, when he receives the message, he becomes the light of the age. Now Jesus did not explain the atonement. He didn't explain he was the sacrifice. He, makes, uh, he alludes to it. But Paul comes and explains in Hebrews that we have a better covenant, better promises, a high priest. This is, this is uh, one sacrifice. He is perfected forever, those that are sanctified. And he explains the communion. He explains the New Testament covenant. He explains the coming of the Lord. And so now Paul is bringing it up even further. And he said, and God told him, I have sent you to be a light unto the Gentiles. (laughs) 
Amen. This is wonderful. Now watch this. The vindicated word is the light of the hour. Noah was the light for his day. And in order to be saved, you had to walk in that light. Moses was the light for his day. Elijah was the light for his day. John was the light for his day. Jesus was the light for his day. And Jesus told him, search the scriptures. And you will see this is the manifestation or the vindication for the day, the word for the day. Now watch this. This is, um, this is really good. Uh, John, if you will. Yeah, John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 35 and 36. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not where he goeth. While you have light, believe in the light, that you may be the sons of light. These things spoke Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. Amen. What you believe and what you walk in determines whether you're a son or daughter. Jesus said, walk with it while you have it. And if you walk in it, it'll make you a son of light. It'll make you, it'll make you children of light. Isn't that wonderful? Walk means you're moving. Walk means the light is moving. And you've got to follow that light. Amen. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18. But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. Amen. It don't quit. It just keeps going and going. It keeps unfolding. And that means it's moving and we got to walk with it. Amen. And Brother Branham taught that to the church ages. Now, uh, watch this. This is, this is essential. First John chapter 1 verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay. So I have a question. Can I be covered by the blood and reject the word? No. I have to walk in the light as he is in the light. And then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all sin. Where the vindicated light is, that's where redemption is. That's where the blood is. That's where forgiveness is, is in the light of the hour. That's where salvation is. Amen. So we cannot reject the word and, and walk in the light. We cannot reject the word and be, our sins be covered. And that was what happened with the Pharisees standing right in the presence of Jesus. And, the, and they said, you know, or do we have sin? And he said, because, he said, because you've you know, tried to cover your sin, he said, your sins are exposed. I, and, I, and I lost the scripture in my, my head, but you don't understand what I'm saying. That they were in darkness because they were rejecting the light. They were in their sins. And that's what Jesus was telling them. 
Now, down through the ages, God has sent the Word to each age, which was the light to each age, which Brother Branham says is a direct quote. He says, seven seats of mercy. Because wherever the messenger brought a fresh message, that's where mercy was for that day to the seven church ages. That's the seven rainbow colors. That's the covenant to the seven church ages. Amen. Now, now, Jesus in the book of Revelation, he is opening his future work, showing that the gospel will keep advancing. It'll keep advancing through the ages. Now, we know Brother Branham preaches a message absolute. And we refer to the word as the absolute. But it's the same principle. The word is our absolute, but it goes deeper than that. It is the vindicated word that is our absolute. And I want to look at that from just a little bit. Because Brother Branham, when he defined it, uh, absolute is perfect. It's unconditional. It's unrestricted. And when he teaches on this, we could spend a lot of time on it. He uses examples like a blueprint. To a contractor, a blueprint is his absolute. That's what if there is a dispute, let's say that I'm the homeowner and Brother John is the builder. And I say, Brother John, you didn't do that right. He said, but I did. I know you didn't. He could pull out the blueprint and said, I did it exactly. And then that will settle the dispute because it is a contractor's absolute. Amen? And, and Brother Branham uses the North Star. He said, now if you're lost out in the woods somewhere, if you can find that North Star, then that North Star will be the absolute and you know your position and you can find your way out of that lost condition. So Brother Branham uses that as an explanation of the absolute. So it's an absolute in navigation to help you find your direction. And then a red light, Brother Branham said, was an absolute in in the traffic. So could you imagine if we had no stop signs, no stop lights, none of those things, and cars are trying to get through the intersection? It would be total chaos. See, so we've got to have an absolute or we'll be in religious chaos. There's got to be an absolute. And, And so Brother Branham said the Supreme Court is an absolute. Meaning that you can argue something, it'll go to another court, you can argue it, it'll go to another court. But when it hits the Supreme Court, it is done. It's the final word. You can't go beyond the Supreme Court. And that's like God's word. You cannot go beyond it. When God speaks it, it is the last word. It has reached this end. You love the Lord. That's why he'll judge the earth by the word. Now this this is the part that I like about the absolute. Because Brother Branham said, the absolute is our tie post. And a tie post is if, you know, if you were in a boat fishing, and you jump out of that boat, and Brother Jimbo and I are fishing, we get up to the bank, you know, one jumps out, and he'll tie off on a post. That's a tie post, so that boat don't go back out. Or if you tie up a horse, that's your tie post. And so you can only go so far, but, but you're, it's not going to let loose, okay? And Brother Branham said that the word, and let's be specific, the vindicated word is our tie post. And so he said, it's like the anchor on a ship. 
And I used to wonder about that. How, how could that be an absolute? See, he said, but the anchor is just tons of steel. And if a storm comes, they'll drop that anchor. And he said, it'll lock into a mountain under the ocean. And the storms will rage and it'll throw that boat. And he said, otherwise it would throw it into the rocks and just it would be destroyed. But that anchor is an absolute. No matter how hard the wind blows and how bad the storm runs, it is held to a rock and it cannot move. So it's, it's got a tie post in the mountain. It locks into the mountain and it, it knows it's safe and secure forevermore. And that's what the word is. It is the anchor of our soul. It is a revelation of the word of God that we are saved, that we are in the end times, that our families will be saved, and we can lock in and let the storms rage. The anchor holds within the veil. Amen. And so, um, given a few illustrations, real faith cannot shift. So the Catholic Church can change whatever it wants to change. You look at the, to give an example, look at the Methodist church. Look at it from the time of Wesley to the present and you'll see there's a lot of changing that took place. This is because there's a shifting, there's a moving and they can actually make rules and say, well, the church don't teach it that way and you can only go as far as the church teaches. Same with the Protestants. Protestants are the same way. We have a manual. This is, this is our absolute and, and, but To us, the revealed word of God is our absolute. And we know God don't change and we know his word don't change. And so it is a tie post. Brother Branham said it's like a marriage. He said, now, in marriage, he said, any achievement that has ever been made on earth has to have a tie post. Something that it was anchored to. Every achievement on the earth... He said, our marriages are a tie post. He said, now, as you, as you get married, he said, she might be young and pretty. He may be handsome, strong shoulders, but that's going to change. And if that beauty was the tie post, that's, that ain't a very good one because we're all going to be like this one day. So it's got to be deeper than that. Well, if it's money, that could change. Success, that could change. He said, but if it's real love, no matter what you look like, no matter what kind of trials you go through, there is a tie post. Let the storms come. The marriage is going to hold because it has a tie post. Now, if we have no morals and the nation is losing them, then, then we're like a, a ship without a sail. We're like wandering stars. I mean, we don't know what the future holds. There's no security there. There's no peace there. We're just wandering and letting the waves carry us and letting, letting the winds carry us. But we've got to have an anchor so we know where we stand and we know our position and it takes the fear out of life. We don't have to worry about the future And so we want our marriage, and here's, this is the most important part of that quote. Brother Branham said, if you don't have that tie post in your marriage, don't get married. He said, you've got to love her. He said, she might not be the prettiest, he said, but you love her, something in you. He said, you strike a tie post, you strike an absolute. This is the girl that I I love and I'm gonna make a covenant with. Now, remember the, the... the written word versus the revealed word. 
Paul had the written word. And Paul was very studied in the scriptures, but he had no absolute. He, he knew the scriptures, but he didn't know where he was. Brother Branham said, before the road to Damascus, Paul had no absolute. He had the Sanhedrin, but no absolute whatsoever. And he said, so he was mighty in the scriptures, but he was only as strong as the system that he was working for, that he was serving. He said, but Paul on the road to Damascus, he met the pillar of fire. And he said, he met the Lord. And he went and was baptized, went down into Arabia for three years, studied his experience by the word. He said, from that time, study Paul's life before and after, and you will see what the, what the absolute will do for a human being. He totally changed after that. And this is what I like. He said, Paul became tied to his absolute. So it's one thing to have an absolute. God has sent an absolute to the age. But if you're not tied to it, you're going to just be thrown with every, with every trial, with every situation, with every doctrine. We have got to be tied to our absolute. And faith ties us there. Do you love the Lord? And so Paul became tied, he said, which was a Christ-centered life. And he said, no matter if they whipped him, if they stoned him, if they imprisoned him, he said, none of these things move me because he was tied. And he said, watch his life, even in the face of death. He could laugh at death. He said, oh, death, where's thy sting? Oh, grave, where's thy victory? He said his soul was tied to something. And in a time of trouble, the revealed word becomes our absolute. That's why you've got to have it. In times of peace, we might not realize that we need it. But in times of trouble, that's when we really need it. Brother Branham told a story. He said, when I was was young, he said, I wanted God in my life. And he said, I went to this church, and I went to, I think, Seventh-day Adventist, and then he would went to several, several churches, and every one of them said, this is the way, this is the way. And Brother Branham said, I was so confused. He goes, I wanted to pray, but I didn't know how to pray. And he said, so, he goes, I found myself discouraged and confused. And he said, I went into a little shed. And he said, it was damp and wet there. And he said, and I said, Mr. God, he said, I would like to talk to you. He said, he peeked. He said, there was no God. He said, maybe I should hold my hands like this. He said, Mr. God, I really need to talk to you. And he said, he looked and there was nothing. And he said, I I didn't know how to pray. And he said, I got all broke up. And he said, I started crying. He said, Mr. God, I don't care if you talk to me or not. He said, I want to talk to you. He said, "I'm, I'm a terrible person. I'm ashamed of myself that I've neglected you. And he said, and all of a sudden that pillar of fire moved in and appeared And something started speaking in a different language. He didn't understand it. And Brother Branham said, he goes, he said, it went away. And he said, he was just numb all over. And he said, Lord, I didn't understand your language. He goes, but I understand that my sins must be reckoned in the cross. If you've forgiven me, Will you come back and speak to me? Even if I don't understand, I'll take that 
is my sins are forgiven and here it come again. And he said, right there, he received his absolute. Now that was the word of God. But now he became tied in a personal experience with the word. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are becoming tied to an experience with God, tied to the word of God, tied to eternal life, that we cannot die no more than God can die. So it it isn't enough to have a vindicated absolute, which is the light of the world, but we must be tied to that absolute. That's why we're here tonight. We want to tie our souls into the word of God, the vindicated message of the hour. How many can say amen? And so Brother Benham said it was there he received his anchor of the soul. And he said this, and I want to read this here in just a little bit. He said, from that point, he had been so convinced that God was his word. That if you add or take away from anything, you've lost your part from the book of life. He said, this word is enough for us. Everything this word says, it is enough for us to live by and to love, to serve him. We don't need creeds. We don't need denominations. We don't need bishops. We need the word of God. Bishops as the world uh, sees bishops. We need the word of God. So it becomes an absolute. Brother Branham goes through tough times. He loses his wife. He loses his daddy. He loses his sister-in-law. He loses his baby. Billy Paul is about dead. He's half dead. He's losing everything. And he's going down to the, to the cemetery and he's bawling and he's crying. And, and Mr. Eisler sees him walking down the road and said, Brother Branham. And he jumps out and hugs him. He said, what is Christ to you now? He said, he is more than life to me. When God turned him down, he, there was something. He was tied to it. He, he couldn't get away from it. In the toughest times of his life, when he was tied and the winds was blowing, would have threw him into the rocks like a ship. But his anchor was holding. And he said, he said, Billy, I've seen you preach until you had barely enough strength. He said, I've seen you fast and you you hardly have any strength. You've given everything to him. He said, what do you think about him now? He said, he's more than life to me. And though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. He had an anchor of the soul. And that's what we've got to have more than just, you know, if you can be talked into something, you can be talked out of it. But if you have a divine revelation that this message was sent from Almighty God to turn our hearts back to the fathers, let the machine guns come, let the tanks come, let the, let the heathen rage. Our soul is anchored behind the veil. We know whom we have believed. It must be a personal experience with this message. More than mind over matter. Moreover, makes sense or it's good logic. It must be an experience of the soul that the word is born out of your life. You must become a part of this word. At that day, you'll know I am in the Father, the Father in me, I in you, you in me. You must tie your soul into the word of God and Christ is that word. How many can say amen? Amen. 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 That's why we're here. That's what we want. An absolute of the soul. He says this, and I want to, this is really, really good. He said, every man or woman that has an experience with God has met the same pillar of fire upon the same sacred grounds 
There's no theologian. There's no devil. Paul said nothing present, nothing future, no death, no sickness, no sorrow. Nothing can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. And there's a quote where Brother Branham said, divine love is the absolute. He said, because tongues will fail, knowledge will cease, but love will live forever. Love is God. This is our absolute. Amen. So just as our love is the absolute of our marriage, our love for God is the absolute in our walk with God. That ought to make you shout. Listen to this. Listen to this. He said, all down through the scripture, everything spoke of Christ. He said, he was the end of the prophecy. He fulfilled the history, the songs. Everything in the Old Testament that spoke of him was fulfilled right there. That became the ultimate. That became the typos, the word of God for the age. The real born again people of the age filled with the Holy Ghost is the tie post of the scripture that's got to be fulfilled in these last days. They are the ultimate. It's God's ultimate because it's his word. And the word is Christ, the tie post. There's no way to get away from it. Something holds you. And he said the Holy Ghost will always point to the word. And I want to get to, back to that later, good Lord willing. But notice this, Jesus, he died. Listen to this. He died so he could come himself into that word. He is the quickening life that makes the word live again. The letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. He said that was his purpose of dying. So he could project himself through his church and make every word through every age exactly act the way it's supposed to act. Amen. This makes the word alive. So it's one thing to revere an ancient history. Oh, I'm a believer of the histories. We are too. But we believe he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And if the scripture lives, it's going to live through you and I. That is an absolute. That is the light of the age. Amen. How many just want to walk in the light? God living in you and shining through. We're children of the light. Walking in the light. And he said, now here's the dynamics of the mechanics. That's what the church is. He said, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, here's the dynamics that works that. It's worked by a certain dynamic. Here's the fire that fires the gas. He said, the fire in the combustion chamber, he said, said, when the word is poured over the combustion chamber, he's the one that sets it afire and confirms the word. Amen. And he said, now, faith makes that word live because Christ is in us to quicken the word. How I wish the church could see it. It is the end of all arguments. The strife would be over. He said, it would be the Supreme Court, the North Star, the end of all strife, the end of all questions. God said so. Even within the framework of the message, there's so many divisions, there's so many doctrines, there's so many. But you know, there's a bride with an absolute. Brother Branham said, this would settle the question if they would be tied to the message God has sent. And that's the problem. Many are not tied to the message that God sent. Amen? Brother Branham said this, tie yourself to it. 
He said, there's nothing present, future, death, sickness, peril, nothing will separate us. We're tied to an absolute, nothing else. He is our absolute. I have hid his word in my heart. How many can say amen? I want to hide this message in my heart. Put God always before you. And though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thou art with me. Man, that, that just makes you feel like an invincible army. He said this, this, and this is so good. He said, you're behind the veil. You're the one who will steer me through the storm. You're the one that'll be there, my anchor, my glory. I will come down to the shadow of the valley of death. And when I come down to Jordan and have to cross over, he is my absolute. See, you don't have to worry in the face of death. He said, I'm tied to the resurrected one on that side. (laughs) He'll pull me through the dangerous waters and I'll fear no evil. Let the storms rage. Life, death, wherever there is, nothing will separate. I'm tied to that post. Amen. You're not going away no more than God can go away because you're tied to him by the Holy Spirit. Amen. He said that post holds. It holds within the veil. It holds against God back yonder. It holds my heart. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Not I was or will be. I am the resurrection. And right now we are tied to our absolute who is the living God that is in our midst. Ain't that wonderful? And he said, let death do whatever it wants. It won't bother me. I am persuaded that sickness that might take me, a bullet from a gun someday might take me. I don't know what it is. What difference does it make for me to live as Christ and to die as gain? (laughs) He said, he's my absolute. He said, nothing in our arms can we bring. We don't want to hear nothing but Christ and him crucified. Amen. He said, now... The denominations will shift. Listen closely. They want to discredit the name of Jesus Christ with a title. That's up to them. But there's not a name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. See, we stay right with the word of God. And he said, he is my north star. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my word will never pass away. And in a time of trouble, he's the keeping power. It's not us holding Christ. It's Christ holding you. It's not you trying to make it to this world. You've already made it. You're tied to him. He's just pulling you into shore. Isn't that wonderful? It takes all the labor out of it. It takes all the work. We're at rest. Our souls are anchored. What a place to be in Christ. That's why if we ever leave Pentecost, we're like a ship without a sail and we can end up anywhere Brother Branham pointed us back to an absolute, and that was the Pentecostal church in the beginning, back to the original experience, back to the original church. Amen. You love the Lord. And in an age of uncertainty, that tomorrow we could lose our 401ks, in an age where you just don't know who's going to be president and what they're going to do, we need an absolute. In an age of chaos where there's all kinds of moral immoral extremes and all kinds of ideas and philosophies and my goodness, and make your head spin, even among our own ranks. We must have an anchor to keep our head above it. And if I can talk you into something, I can talk you out of it. But if you have a real experience with God, you can look the devil in the face and say, too late. 
You can do all the disproving you want to do. And the only disproving you've done is to yourself because it's too late. I've seen the God of this Bible live. And this message brought me to life. I was a dead man. And this message made me live. Too late. Too late to tell me that it's false when it changed my life and it turned me around. There's a power behind this message. And if you taste it, you can never turn back. You'll burn every bridge. Amen. How many want to get a hold of that live wire and say, Lord, pour your life into me? Amen. Let them say what they will. Let the heathens rage. Our anchor will hold. Amen. What an opportunity we have tonight. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25. I'll go ahead and read this one, 25 through 27. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him who spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also the heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifying the removing of those things that can be shaken, as things that are made, and those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Brother Branham said, There is a kingdom that cannot be moved. He said, And that kingdom is this word. That's why Jesus said, He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. But we must anchor to that word that will never pass away. And what is the word? Not just the written word, the vindicated word, the light of the hour, the absolute. Now, this is where it gets good to me. I want to read this to you. Because Brother Branham said, now absolute, I looked it up in the dictionary. And I'm speaking of the word now. He said, that absolute, according to Webster Dictionary, means perfect in itself. It means unlimited in power. It means the ultimate. It means an absolute used many times is the last word. The amen. (laughs) He repeats this. That the absolute is the amen. It is the unlimited. He said, people say, absolutely. That, that settles it. An absolute is the ultimate because you have reached the end. The amen. <laughs> Do you love the Lord? Now watch this. Revelations chapter 22, verse 18. And we could spend a long time on the amen. But I just want to just cover the basics here. So, the absolute and the amen are the same thing. You have come to the final, the end, the Supreme Court, the last word, okay? Now watch this, and you're familiar with this scripture. Let's read it. He said, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, from the things that are written in this book. He 
which testifies of these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The Bible is closed with an amen. And I would love to walk you through the Bible, show you the unsearchable riches that is locked up in the, in the word amen. But I just for the sake of time, I wanted to show you that he says, anyone adds or takes away from this absolute, their part will be taken out, their part of life. And then he closes the entire canon of scripture with amen. That means truly to be firm, so let it be. And many times when the word is being preached, people are saying amen in the Old Testament. Let what I'm hearing be mine. I'm claiming that as mine. And that's why the Holy Spirit always amens the word. (laughs) It's saying it's mine. I claim it. Amen. Healing is mine. Salvation is mine. Joy and peace is mine. Amen. Every word of God. Amen. And so they responded with amen. But turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Keep your mind on the absolute now. Where's our, where's our microphone? Would you read for me? Brother David. We'll read uh, chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. Amen. Amen. So all the promises of God are an absolute. Amen. Healing is an absolute. The Holy Ghost is an absolute. Every promise of God is amen. It's the final word. Don't talk about it. God said so. I believe it. That settles it. Amen. Now this is, this is where it gets personal to us. Turn with me, if you would, to Revelations chapter 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Thank you. These things saith the Amen. In other words, the Amen is a person. The absolute is a person. And this is specific to the seventh age because it's the seventh age, Laodicea, that the amen is speaking to the church. Amen. And Brother Branham said this in a Laodicean church age. He said, thus saith the amen. Jesus is the amen of God. Jesus is the so be it of God. Amen stands for finality. It stands for approval. It stands for the prevailing promise. It stands for the unchanging promise. It stands for the seal of God. This is the absolute. This is the amen. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 16. Isaiah 65. We'll read verse 16. That he who blesseth himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. And he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth. Because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hid from mine eyes. Amen. In the church ages, Brother Branham takes this obscure scripture. He begins to bring light out of it. He said, actually, the God of truth means the God of the amen. Brother Branham pulls this up in the church ages. You can look it up in the church ages. He said, he is the God of the amen. 
He said, notice, this is the God of the Old Testament. Jesus said he was the amen. He said, what is it? He said, Jehovah of the Old Testament is Jesus of the New. He never changes. He's the same God. He's the amen. His word remains true. Then he says this. He is the God of the amen. He never changes. What he does never changes. What he says stands fast. He does it. What he does, he does forever. None can take from what he says. No can add to it. So let it be. So let it be. Aren't you glad you serve that kind of God? So you know exactly where you stand with him at all time, any time, at all the time. He is the amen God. He will not change. He, amen. His attitude towards us will not change. Amen. God loves us. God wants to fill us. He wants us to prosper in our health. So God, in other words, God has the final say. And that's why he vindicates his own word because everyone takes their probe at it. So God in the first age, in the Ephesian age, he said, these things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand. And then Smyrna age, he introduces an attribute of himself. And then Thyatira, Pergamion, and, all, and through the ages, Philadelphia, and he begins to unfold his attributes. Every age, he introduces himself with an attribute to that age. And in the Laodicean age, he introduces himself as the amen. Now, the six denominational ages, he, they'd pick up a little doctrine and they would run off on it. They'd pick up a doctrine and they'd run off down through the six denominational ages. But in the seventh age, now God is going to speak in the seventh age. Now, watch this because Brother Branham said he's giving a description of himself in connection or relationship to the last age. The days of grace are winding up. He looked from the first century right through to the 20th century and told us all the things of those ages. Before he reveals the characteristics to the last age, he gives us one final look at his supreme deity. This is the capstone revelation of himself. Thus saith the amen. Take this to heart. Jesus is the amen of God. So let it be. I told you it stands for finality and approval. Now watch this. He said, I like that. It means whatever he says is final. It means whatever he said to the first age, to the second age, to all ages about his true church and about the false vine, it will not change. It means that what he started with in Genesis... He will finish in Revelation. He has to. He is the amen. If Pentecost was right, it is amen. If the Holy Ghost is right, it is amen. He started it. It's his church. He knows the truth. Watch. Now we can see again, the devil hates the book of Genesis to Revelation. He hates the truth. He knows the truth will prevail. He knows what his end will be. And he fights it, but we're on the winning side. He said, I mean the believers of his word only. We are on the amen side. (laughs) How many are on the amen side? Well, this is good. The Baptists had their day. The Methodists had their day where they, they were probing at the word and they went off on little doctrines. They had some right but left a lot in darkness. 
Church of Christ began to preach the baptism of regeneration. And, and many uh, majored on minors, Pentecostals, taught the evidence of the Holy Ghost was speaking in tongues. And so these men were taking God's word and all of the doctrines were based on the Bible. Baptism, the regeneration, and all their doctrines, they find some little scripture some to back their idea. But God who wrote the Bible has a right to interpret his own word. He's the author. Isn't that right? And Brother Branham said, now, what has happened to the word? The word has been put aside. And God said, I'm going to go against you all. I will spew you out of my mouth. This is the end. For out of seven ages, I have seen nothing but men esteeming their word above mine. He said, so at the end of the age, I'm spewing you out of my mouth. It's all over. I'm going to speak now. Yes, I am in the midst of the church. The amen of God, the faithful and true, will reveal himself by his prophet messenger. And he said, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he begins to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. There it is. He is vindicating a vindicated prophet. He is sending a prophet after 2,000 years. He is sending someone who is so far from organization and education and the world of religion like John the Baptist of old. He will only hear from God. He will have thus saith the Lord and he will speak for God. He will be God's mouthpiece as he declared in Malachi 4, 6 to turn the hearts back to the fathers. He will bring the elect, back the elect to the last of the last day. They will hear the vindicated prophet give the exact truth as it was with Paul. He will restore the truth as they had it. And those elect with him in that day will be the ones who will truly manifest the Lord and be his body and be his voice and perform his works. Amen. The Bible says God will do nothing, but he reveals his mystery to his servants, the prophets. And if the lion roars, who can but prophesy? And when God speaks, Brother Branham said, he said, when the lion roars, who cannot but fear? He said, when God speaks, who can but prophesy? Brother Branham said, when God speaks, the prophet prophesies. (laughs) Revelations 10 The mighty angel come down with an open book and when he roared, seven thunders uttered their voices. Brother Branham said, the lion is the king. And he said, I've been in the jungles and when it roars, he said, even the beetle shut up. The baboon shut up. Everything shuts up because the king speaks. It's just like, like a zoo. But when the lion roars, everything shuts up. In Revelations 10, the Baptists had their day. The Methodists had their day. The Catholics had their day. But in Revelations 10, God came down himself and the lion roared and everything shuts up. God speaks. And all of us shut our mouths and listen. For the king has spoken. It is the amen. It is his interpretation of the word. And his subjects listen. Yes, Lord. How many can say amen? Amen. And so it isn't the written word. It is the vindicated word. And God has vindicated this word more 
thoroughly than any prophet from the time of Enoch to the present. Direct quote out of the church ages. This is the most vindicated message that the world has ever seen. What was it? It is the light of the hour. It is the absolute to our souls. And we're proving all things. Can you say amen? And then Brother Branham said some amazing things. He says, when the angel speaks or I see a vision, he said, that is my absolute. I remember when I first read that, I did not understand because I thought just the written word was the absolute. He said, that angel, he said, that vision is an absolute. Well, sure. He said, if, if it told me to go out to the graveyard and raise George Washington, he said, I would invite everyone to come because those visions never fail because they come from God. And this, is, this is, message is the scriptures. We're not leaving the scriptures. Even the seven thunders didn't leave the scriptures. This message, don't leave this word. It just brings it to life. And that becomes our light. Then Brother Branham said, and I'll read it to you. It's, it's astounding. Brother Branham said, when those seven angels come down out of heaven, he said, there stood seven angels, commissioned me to go back and bring these messages one by one. He said, they'll meet you and tell you what happened. And they did it exactly that way. When they ascended up 30 miles high, he said, the same day they took the picture, science that went around the world, it's a paradox, but it was an absolute. It tied me tighter into Jesus Christ, winding my life into him. (laughs) It just vindicated the message even deeper. It only vindicated the message even more. And the Holy Spirit, if it's the Holy Spirit, will always punctuate this word with amen. This is how we discern the Spirit of God. Because God cannot deny His word. And as soon as we see something beginning to deny the word, we know it ain't the Spirit of God. I want to make sure that the Spirit that's in me is always agreeable to this word. If it isn't, then we need to have a prayer meeting. And I know as long as I'm working, walking in the light of the message that was sent to this age, and we can go back to the Bible and show you where he said he would send it, then we know the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all of our sins. We know we can have fellowship with God, but we must be one with him. We must be tied together in a union by baptism of the Holy Ghost, being baptized into the body of Christ, being one with God. The Holy Spirit always amends the word. So always make sure you keep your spirit under prayer. Never to be critical, disagreeable. Just always say, my amen is with the word. I'll always amen the word. I'll never, I'll always reverence the word. And I've said this before. I said, I would rather be in a drunk in a gutter somewhere begging for the mercy of God than to turn my sword against this message. I I would never speak against it. I'd rather cry out to God for mercy. If I couldn't live it, I would never speak against it and deny it. Say, God, have mercy on my soul. (laughs) True faith will always admit that the word is right. And and you know, it helps us be humble. This is easy. In a dispute, we're wrong and God is right. I mean, how hard is that? We've always been wrong. It's all, I mean, that we're the problem. No problem. We're the problem. God is right. I want to be right. Lord, help me be right. (laughs) And then if, we, if we've got issues where we find ourselves resisting, then we need to have a prayer meeting. 
But one, one thing that we, we want to make sure that we uh, appreciate about the Lord. You could be sitting right now in a Christian science Bible study. You could be in a Jehovah Witness meeting right now. You could be in a Catholic church doing mass. You could be sitting on a bar stool somewhere in complete, utter darkness. But by God's grace, he has showed us the perfect road to eternal life. There is no question because God already spoke. He already, he said, let there be, and there was. He's vindicated his own word. We have perfect assurance. This is what we must do. We know the light. We know the absolute. We must tie this into that. Then when the resurrection comes, if we should go by the way of the grave, we'll come right up out of that grave. If the rapture comes, God can't leave you. You're tied to him. (laughs) When the earth passes away, you can't pass away. You're tied to Christ. Amen. How many appreciate the word of the Lord? Amen. The Bible is no private interpretation. Amen. Let's, let's stand to our feet. Let's pray. Gracious eternal Father, our hearts are stirred, dear Lord, just to see the word unfold before us. And I've so appreciated these Bible studies, Lord, just combing the scriptures and speaking of the things of God. We want you to be the light unto our path. And God, we want to tie ourselves into that absolute. You've made it so clear that the fool shall not err therein. And Lord, we just know it's right before us. We can't deny it, but we want to become a part of it. And I ask as we humble ourselves in your presence, that you forgive us of any wrong that we've done, even in our spirit, in our thinking, anything that would grieve that gentle dove away out of our lives, we ask you to forgive us. May we always have enough character about us to acknowledge that the word is right and we're wrong. And Lord, we want to be right and we want to be tied into that absolute, uh, our own personal divine revelation. We want to be a part of this message, dear God. We're not bystanders standing afar off, but Lord, we're a part of this work, Lord, packing this message to the coming of the Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that your revelation will be our portion. God, we pray that the peace of God and the love of God, the life of God would be our portion. Bless all these young people, each and every one that have come. I ask, O God, that we'll be united one with this message. Thank you for sending it, Lord. While the world just discarded it, it looks like a repeat of the first coming of Christ, just kind of just off-scour, look down, Jesus, with a black name. But Lord, you've given us vision to know what it is. And we embrace it and we welcome it, Lord. We welcome you here in our lives. We thank you for it, Father. We want to bear the reproach of the word. We thank you for your goodness and grace. Help us to walk in that light. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing that together. We'll walk in the light. And we'll walk in the light. Such a beautiful light. It comes when the dewdrops of mercies are bright. Shine all around us by day and by night.
light of my world. Let's sing it again. And we'll walk in your light. Such a beautiful light. It comes with the dewdrops. A mercy is a sisters, if our sisters will sing that. Amen. Raise your voices. That's it. Amen. Yes, Lord. This is where our mercy lays, Lord. Amen. Thank you for a message, Lord. Help us be faithful, Lord. Help us be loyal. Amen. Come on, brothers. Let's help our sisters. And we'll walk in the light. Such a beauty.